Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Tez My Best Teacher podcast with me, Bronya Hallahan, standing in for Dan Worth. Today's guest is Empireland author Satnam Zangara. Satnam's memoir, The Boy with the Top Knot, Love, Secrets and Lies in Wolverhampton, was recently chosen for the Penguin Lit in Colour campaign, whose aim is to help schools introduce more books by people of colour into the classroom. The book was also recently turned into a TV drama for the BBC and was nominated for a British Academy Television Award. He chatted to us about his school days, including how his English teacher changed the course of his life, a trip to the sewage works where he received a detention for the item he decided to bring along with him, how he turned from geek to rebel at secondary school, and how sometimes his practical jokes got him into a right royal mess. Thank you for joining us, Athna. Should we start with, where did you go to primary school? Primary school? Oh, I went to uh, Walden Primary School, junior school in Wolverhampton. It was such an amazing school because it was uh, in a very poor area of Wolverhampton, mainly Asian and black, and all the teachers were white. And yet race never came up as an issue. It was really idyllic and I had such a good time there it was fantastic and then how about secondary school did you go to your local secondary school after that uh no all my siblings went to the local comprehensive Heath Park High which still exists but I managed to pass an 11 plus and uh I ended up um going to Wolverhampton Grammar School which had been a state grammar for a long time but had just become an independent school, but I had a fully assisted place. So the government paid for all my fees. And thinking about your primary school and your secondary school, was there one teacher or perhaps a few teachers that really stood out and is your favourite teacher? Uh, Yeah, oh God, quite a few. There's Mr Burgess at my junior school, who was my final year teacher, and he, he, he gave me tuition, extra tutoring for the 11 plus, which got me into Wolverhampton Grammar School. The headmaster, Keith Ball, who passed away recently, he'd been an old boy at, at Wolverhampton Grammar School, and so he, it was his idea, so he changed my life. And then at Wolverhampton Grammar School, there was a teacher called Robin Roberts, who was an English teacher, and actually helped me a huge amount. She passed away recently. And uh, she, you know, I had a very problematic family life when I was in sixth form. My sister had schizophrenia, and so did my father. And she just basically took over and became like my second mum and, and would rescue me and would take me on school trips, even though I wasn't meant to be there, and would allow me to go to a house when things were bad at home, and even drove me to university. So she, she also saved my life. Oh my gosh, it sounds like she took on a, a role that went well beyond what you would normally expect a teacher to do. Yeah, we became friends for life, to be honest. And uh, I think she was quite disillusioned with teaching, which meant that she didn't care about breaking the rules. So I guess nowadays you wouldn't be allowed to go to go and stay at a teacher's house overnight. Uh, but I did. And her boyfriend was there. So there's nothing dodgy happening. <laughs> but um, it was a great, it was a fantastic oasis because I had nowhere else to go because I didn't have any money to see my friends or well, my friends lived far, far, quite far away. And um, it was, it was an, an incredible thing for her to do. And when you think back to those English lessons that you had with her in school, is there a particular lesson that really stands out in your memory or a time when the, the magic of English really came alive for you or just a particularly funny lesson? 
Yeah, I mean, she was the one who got me into literature, which is another profound effect she had on me. Um, and she taught me GCSE English. And she, I remember it was Catch-22 that she taught. And until then, I wasn't massively into writing, but it was so funny. And she was also very funny. And it was my kind of humor. And I just wanted to impress her. And it's always the way, isn't it? You, you kind of, you like a teacher and you get into the subject. And yeah, it was her. And then she introduced me to Evelyn War, and I read all the Evelyn Wars before I left school. And um, I think that had a big effect on my, on the way I write. Yes. I mean, that's, and that's such, you know, that's really complex literature to give to a, to a young adult. And yeah. I think it sounds like she must have really respected your, your mind to, to suggest those sort of books to you. Yeah. I mean, it's a big thing. My, my dad is illiterate. I mean, he can't read and write. Uh, my mum didn't at the time speak English that she can now. And we had no books in our household and no one in my family had gone to university. So it was a non-literary household. And so as a child, you really depend on teachers to show you the way. And she really did. And she got me into so many things and kindled my passion for English literature. She actually moved to Italy to teach English to business people and lived there for the last 20 years or so. But we stayed in touch and she actually proofread my books and we we remained very close friends and uh yeah i was so lucky to meet her and did you ever get a chance to tell her what she meant to you as a teacher um i think i did i think i thanked her at my first book launch but obviously when someone passes away you you feel like you didn't thank them enough mm-hmm. my new book empire land is dedicated to her mm-hmm. and i've written about her a couple of times actually in the newspaper and uh yeah, I do regret not not saying it. I think if I've got any advice to people listening is say thank you to your teachers. I did actually say thank you to Keith Ball, the headmaster at Walden Junior School. I actually met him only a few months before he passed away and I got to thank him. And uh, I'm so glad I got to do that. It's really special. It's, it's so important, I think, to the, both the teacher and for the person who's doing the thanking to be able to, to show, share those sort of memories with them. Yeah, it is. And although sometimes I find that teachers, uh, you, didn't, you didn't actually make much of an impression on them as much as they did on you. And they, they're a bit nonplussed about why they mean so much to you. <laughs> I guess it's the, your, your, the ratios are working against you there, aren't they? There's 30 yeah. children in the class. There's just one teacher. But I suppose even if that teacher doesn't remember you particularly it doesn't it doesn't matter so much because the moment happened it, it doesn't change what happened when it happened it's like memories are so unreliable anyway but it's, yeah. it's so lovely to be able to say to say those thank yous now you're painting a picture of yourself as a student who was really diligent it sounds like you did lots of extra reading around the subject if you were to characterize yourself as when you think back to what you were liking in class were you a little bit of a, a, a Geek, dare I say? Um, yeah, I was initially. I was just a pure geek when I was at junior <laughs> school. I just had to come top in every everything except obviously games, where I was crap. <laughs> um, but and then I joined a school where everyone was clever, and then I did quite badly initially. And I had a top knot, you see, and I, I felt very as a very shy kid, and I felt very self conscious about it. And but then I cut my hair and um, gained confidence, and then. Overconfident, I ended up being head boy and actually quite naughty. You know, I was at, at school. We had this. I don't know. I don't think this happens anymore. But our reporting, school reports had 
a grade for effort and then a, a number for achievement. And yeah. everyone wanted to get E1, you know, zero <laughs> effort and high attainment, which is kind of the public school thing, isn't it? It's yes. effort superiority. And I once got a D1. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was quite, I think I was quite naughty in my last four years. Um, but, so interesting. It's, yeah. it's the, is that psychology of grammar schools that we don't really talk about very much, isn't it? Like the, the idea that you're a high achiever at primary, go to secondary and suddenly find yourself among loads of high achievers and struggling with placing yourself in that, that rank order. Yeah, and no, I remember it very well because I remember arriving at the school and, you know, we had our first French lesson and some of the kids could already speak French. I mean, wow. some of them have been to prep schools. And it blew my mind. And a lot of the kids seemed to already know what they're being taught. And I felt very intimidated. I didn't really understand some of the homework. They kept mm-hmm. on, like, they, we, we were given this physics homework where we were required to use a compass. I didn't have a compass, you know, a mm-hmm. compass for direction. And mm-hmm. I just I couldn't afford a compass. I just felt utterly intimidated by everything and confused. Mm-hmm. But I now look back and I realize it's because they, they literally went to prep school. So they've been given tutoring above my level but then yeah. I managed to not only catch up I managed to beat them and that was uh mm-hmm. was an amazing feeling actually oh I bet it was you can that that journey that you must have gone on to go from feeling out of your depth to then head boy that's that's quite something isn't it you, you know what nothing in my life I've ever achieved has made me feel as good as that okay. not only because as a head boy you could give other kids detentions and uh, I find that amazing. It was so exciting. I mean, it, it was just incredible. I felt like I'd been made a teacher whilst I was still at school. It was, uh, it was so thrilling and um, nothing has felt that good. So I think we can safely say that English was probably one of your favourite subjects, but were there other lessons that you really looked forward to when you looked at your timetable? Actually, you know what? I was a strange kid and I did English and maths for A-level and politics. I was really into maths until... That's so unusual. I really loved maths and I was really Mm -hmm. good at it. It was even when I started at grammar school, I was was quite near the top of the class in maths. It was like my one salvation. And what did you like about it? Well, maths, I just loved the fact that you had clear solutions. And uh, whereas a lot of other things seemed vague. But then I did maths for A-level, and by then I was really going to do English at Cambridge, and uh, mm. I'd kind of didn't, began to lose fall out of love with math. And I can remember the moment where I thought, forget this. And it was when we started uh, doing calculations with imaginary numbers. <laughs> and I was like, look, maths is about certainty. If you were going to be like doing sums with imaginary numbers, I'd rather just go all the way and do novel. You know what I mean? What's the point? Um, but I love doing A-level statistics. I, I mean... In terms of things that have helped my career and my life, A-level mm. statistics, oh my God, that's so useful to do. And, and actually A-level politics, really great thing to do as a journalist because it gives you historical context. Mm. And uh, a lot of the stuff I did in English, I mean, I look back now and it's like, I barely remember it and it wasn't particularly useful, <laughs> but actually it probably was shaping me as a writer in ways I didn't realise. Mm. It's that invisible, invisible moments, but your, your character's changed and you don't realise it's even happened. Yeah. You mentioned geography. So you didn't do geography as an A-level, but did you do it as a GCSE? I, I did actually, you know what? I don't, I don't think I even did it as a GCSE, but I oh. loved that. 
Well, maybe I did. Actually, you know what? I can't remember, but I did love geography. I loved the uh, diagrams. Mm. I loved, it was mm. like art for people who aren't artistic. <laughs> you know? I love, it was so pleasing to colour things in. It was basically colouring in, wasn't it? Oh, geography teachers everywhere were oh, just putting no, their heads in their hands and saying, no, we don't. No, I love the contours. They do. I That's all that. I remember we from geography. Colouring yeah. in the sea. It was fun. Yeah, actually, one of my geography lessons I remember when we went to the grammar school was very memorable because it was my first year. I grew up in a place called Parker Village in Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. Very inner city, very edgy now. It was pretty mm-hmm. edgy then. And I remember the teacher saying, we've got a lesson now on towns, cities and villages. The differences between them. Put your hands up if you grew up, if, if you live in a village. And I put my hand up and everyone laughed. Oh. And it was that point I realised that Park Ridge wasn't a village. Because <laughs> like a lot of the kids actually lived in villages around Wolverhampton, yeah. which I'd never seen. I didn't realise oh. there were actual villages around Wolverhampton. But um, that oh. kind of is a very memorable lesson, that. <laughs> the crushing moment. The village yeah. is not the village. Um, you mentioned PE as being a subject that you weren't too keen on. Were you, was that your main like, worst lesson? Or were there other lessons that you dreaded? You know what, PE, I, I think about PE a lot because in later life, in my, I guess, my 30s, I got massively into running. Like mm. really, it's one of the things that made me happiest in my life is the 10 mm. years I ran until, until I tore my hamstrings. Um, and I look back and I think people had an idea of me as a nerd and didn't encourage me. You know what I mean? Mm. And... I bet you if teachers had been more sympathetic, if they hadn't put us into boxes, I could really go into loads of sports. But partly when when I started school, uh, grammar school, I had a top knot. So I couldn't, that meant I couldn't do certain sports like rugby where they grab at you. You know what I mean? I couldn't have my hair grabbed at because I didn't even know how to tie it up. And uh, people, I think people were too keen to just put the nerds in a box and say, oh, you're... You're really good at school, you know, academic subjects, so you're crap at sport. But actually, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I would have been crap. I loved running. I was quite good at it. Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm going to do loads of things. And yeah, I think uh, my PE teachers weren't the best. I'm sorry <laughs> if they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's those limits of the stereotypes that people can't see past. And I think it really helps when you've got PE teachers that are from all different types of like characters because then they can see themselves and their students because of course not all sporty people look like they're sporty people right exactly and um, I remember doing the triple jump once and I did really I think I came top of the class and mm-hmm. everyone was like oh my god Satnam's like done something good in sport and it's like I, I was never given the chance to try out a bunch of sports to see what I was good at mm. and uh I suspect teaching, PE teaching is much better now. But in those days, you know, PE teaching was pretty brutal. And, uh, you know, I think back at the cross-country runs we used to do. Yeah. Well, the main thing I remember is that we were never even given water. I don't know if you, <laughs> you're probably a bit younger than me. But it's like there, was no, there were no taps in the changing rooms. No. And when we said we wanted water, they were like, nah, go home and have We were just so dehydrated. We'd run like five miles and have no yeah. water. Nowadays, everyone's obsessed with hydration, right? But I mean, we also at junior school used to have that terrible thing where I don't even know if you're allowed to talk about this. If you forgot your kit, you had to run in your pants. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that at primary school. That was just a normal thing to do. Surely they don't do that now. No, they yeah, can't I do mean, that now. There's so many things like that. You look back and you think, oh my God, dodgy. Um, but yeah, I never did forget my kit though. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you didn't ever like forge a note. Oh, Satnam's um, unfortunately got got a bad toe and can't do PE. He never did that. Uh, no, I mean, I think I used to dread the annual cross country. I think everyone did. Mm. Everyone dreaded that. I think there was one instance where a bunch of kids got a lift on a milk float <gasps> during the cross country. <laughs> And uh, it got into terrible trouble, but I think they should have been rewarded for their, um, you know, street savviness. Excellent choice of vehicle, a yeah, motorbike, sure a car, there. you know, that would have <laughs> given you away, but a milk float, excellent choice. I think yeah. they, they deserve to be applauded. Um, <laughs> did you get many detentions when you were at school? Got a couple. I, I got into this terrible uh, phase where I thought I was really funny and I used to do practical jokes. And yeah, and some of them were really terrible. I look, I think, I look back now, and I think some of it verged on bullying. For some, I mean, you know what I mean, you you think you're funny as a kid, and I think in an all male school, a lot of the banter was bullying. You know, yeah. and uh, and also it was the '90s and '80s when things were different then. Now, I think a lot of our behaviour would be. When you say practical jokes, I think of like Enid Blyton boarding school, itching powder and knickers and, you know, invisible ink in the pen cartridges. Was was it that kind of calibre of yeah, practical I, jokes? I guess I'm, I might as well talk to you about a couple of... I mean, I, I remember once it was a very basic plastic spider where <laughs> the teacher would be walking around the class checking work and you'd put a spider on your desk. So when he turned around, they would scream. Um, I did that to my poor teacher, Neil Bradley. He was a brilliant math teacher. Um, <laughs> there was, oh God, there was one terrible thing. I don't know if I should say this because I've come out so badly. You should, you should. I'm going to say it, it, but yeah. I, I, I faked the Queen Mother's death. Um, basically, there was a school notice board and uh, you could, anyone could write on it. And I, I, as a prefect, I could write on it. And uh, I don't know who gave me the idea, but Someone said, I wrote a message under my friend's suggestion saying, sad to say the Queen Mother passed away uh, this afternoon. Can the whole school gather <clears throat> at 3 p.m. for a service? And you guess what? The school gathered. And uh, <laughs> some of the school gathered. Some kids were crying. It was really stupid thing to do and tasteless and imagine that people listening will think I'm a complete idiot but I was a child and I have utter remorse about it now but I oh, did get I quite a lot of trouble for that it's quite imaginative that's you know and, and you mm. made everyone gather together that's that's the power of um the royal family I guess I, I, yeah I mean there's a lot of parents some parents uh complained quite rightly some kids yeah. got upset it's yeah I've never written about it. I don't know why I'm telling you. I guess hopefully no one listens to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 nobody will hear that and judge you for it. It's absolutely fine. Um, people still remind me about it occasionally, like people at school, with, <laughs> they remember it as a, yeah. I mean, I would never well, look, do that now. I mean, I would just, I also, I mean, even as a young journalist, I thought it was quite, there's a lot of banter, sending messages from each other's terminals, like the Financial Times, stuff, yeah. almost all of which I find terrible now. Like, I would never do that. But 
I did. And actually, a lot of people our age did that. I think it was a boys, a boys' school kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the benefit of getting older. And we can all look back at things that we did when we were younger and we, we inwardly cringe at the, the bad mistakes and the 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 regrettable actions. And it's it's part of growing up, isn't it? If you didn't do those things and then feel the that, that remorse, then perhaps you would do it when you are older without, because you've never realised how bad it feels when you do mm. something bad. I think you're trying out different personalities and you're testing boundaries. Mm. and. Um, yeah, so I guess that's what I was doing. But I guess I went further than most because a lot of the kids there were there, you know, it was an expensive school and their parents were paying and so they felt a sense of responsibility. Whereas I I guess I didn't feel that. And my, you know, mm. my parents were very proud that I go into the school and I was very grateful for it. But, um, you know, they didn't read my school reports. Or, you know, I, I would sometimes, you know, you have to sign your report to say your parents are Oh, murdered. yes, yeah. And I would sign it myself. And... That gave me freedom and probably too much freedom, you know, and it, it meant I went further than most. But at the same time, I was really, really quite diligent, you know, in other ways. Incredibly, like, diligent. And uh, you, so, yeah, I, like I need to do my former self some fine. justice. But, yeah. um, I mean, I did a lot of, like, fundraising and stuff, and I was, a, I was a very earnest child combined with this insane tendency for practical jokes. So you mentioned before that you got to go on school trips that um, you weren't always meant to, meant to go on. Were yeah. they trips trips locally? Did you go down to London? Like what sort what sort of trips did you do? To be honest, in general, there were a lot of school trips at our school, but they all I never went on them because they were all expensive. They were skiing trips. And oh wow! We, we couldn't afford them. I mean, the school fees were more than my parents earned in a year. I, I mean, I generally couldn't even afford to see my friends who lived outside Wolverhampton. Mm. And it was only when my friend Dave Radburn came close to me and he had a car that I could go out and meet my friends. Um, so I missed out on almost all school trips. So I only really went to one of the ones that Robin took me on. Mm-hmm. And so she once took me to Cornwall and I couldn't believe the sea was so blue. I remember just it's the first time I'd seen sea that blue in Britain. Oh. I didn't realise places wow. like, like that existed. It blew my mind. But the other ones were the joint school trips. And I, I remember one particular school trip class trip to a sewage works. Mm. People often, um, think I'm making that up, but we went to a sewage works. And I remember I took a clothes peg <laughs> and put it on my nose. And I got a detention for that. <laughs> the detention for putting clothes. It stank, obviously. But I think about obviously. that. At the time, I was like, why are we being taken to a sewage works? Um, but actually, I think about it all the time. You, it's what subject of- was it for? It was for, must have been, a, it was a science subject. I remember it was a science teacher, chemistry, who took us. He was the one who gave me a detention. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think about it all the time. I mean, it was very educational. You don't think about that part of life, do you? I mean, you know, we looked no. down the pipes. We looked about, I remember seeing all these condoms and coffee mugs. Being coffee surprised. Mugs. People throw all sorts of stuff down the toilet. And it was actually very interesting. But yeah, we were taken to uh, the local sewage works. That's pretty much the best school trip I had after Robin. (laughs) (laughs) This is a really personal question, but did it stop you throwing things down the toilet yourself? Do you think it's... Yeah, I really... Actually, I'm very conscientious about that. I I generally don't throw coffee mugs down toilets. There you go. 
lesson learned, <laughs> job done. We should we should start start every kid going on a on a school trip to the sewage works. Yes. Now you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. I I thought this uh, podcast was going to be about um, my new book, but actually I did. So I didn't expect any questions about my education. I'm quite enjoying it. It's much. much <laughs> Well, the next one is less educational and more recreational. So your school was fee paying and obviously, you know, you were, you were fortunate that you were there on the, the basis of getting a place funded for you. But does that mean they had really fancy school dinners? Oh, school dinners is another whole thing because basically um, we applied for free school dinners. I didn't get them. I had them at primary school. I only got them a certain time. But then my, my mother, when, when she found out what I was eating, didn't approve. So she said, look, just have packed lunches. So she would make me uh, chapatis and Indian food and also like sausage sandwiches and so on. And yeah. she would spend ages making them. And uh, I would actually sell my Indian food to Matthew Davis for three or four pounds. And then I'd go and get chips from the local chip shop. Now I wouldn't do that because now I, I, you know, my mum's food is literally the thing I'd die for. But then, you know, I was tired of it and I, I just wanted chips. So uh, that's what I would do. And Matthew Davis, yeah, he would pay me generously. Does <gasps> she ever Thanks, find Matt. out? <laughs> uh, I don't think she ever did find out. But now again, it fills me with I, I incredulity because I would walk 100 miles to have my mum's it's yeah. so bloody delicious. But when you're a kid, you don't appreciate these things, do you? No, you had it on tap every day. You just took it yeah. for granted. I used to be slightly you... embarrassed that my, when I opened my packed lunch, you know, it would smell of Indian cooking. Yeah. Um, it was quite a white school. Um, but yeah, I mean, I began having a few school dinners um, towards the end. But yeah, I, I don't particularly have great memories of them. And your your mum, you made you made the money out of your mum's cooking, and you kept it for yourself. I, mean, I think that's actually in some ways worse than the the queen mother thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite it was quite an odd odd schooling I had, to be honest. <laughs> Ma- made weird mainly by myself. Now you had you know a, an excellent school to go to. Did that mean that they had really good school plays that they put on? Were they really big on that kind of side of things? Was there was there a good like orchestra and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there was great music teaching and great, there were plays. I think I was a stage manager for Equus. But I, oh, I know it's wow. one of the, I don't regret many things about my life because I think the, uh, the, the best thing that can ever happen to you in your life is to be born into a loving family. And I, I was mm-hmm. always adored by my family and my mother and my father. Mm-hmm. And for all the challenges, I think I'm luckier than most people I know. But the one thing I do feel bad about is that we were too poor for me to have music lessons. I was desperate to have music lessons. I was really into music. And there was great music tuition available at school. But uh, my mom wouldn't pay for them. or She couldn't afford it. So I didn't learn. And that's the time you could learn, right? So, I mean, I do regret that. And, uh, I mean, also, I mean, probably sorry on a tangent, but I've been thinking a lot about it lately. I mean, I was spending a lot of my spare time when I was at school working in a sewing factory, my spare time. And I was sometimes up to 90 hours a week in a local sewing factory. And I look back on that and I just think, 
what a waste of time because there's almost for almost no money 50p an hour and uh i could have learned a language a musical instrument you know in the hundreds of thousands of hours i spent working in that factory and uh that, those are the two things i kind of uh, feel bad about in my childhood apart from that everything else was brilliant now most schools have really good urban myths and school rumors was your school the same did you have any really juicy highly unlikely to be true school rumors that used to go around oh yeah i've been thinking about one lately because i think the teacher sadly just passed away but we had a science teacher called dr rocket isn't that a great name that's an dr. amazing dr rocket name. he was an amazing teacher and um a rumor went around that he worked for nasa and everyone <laughs> believed it and uh, i don't think he did I haven't checked, but I suspect Dr. Rocket didn't work for NASA. Um, and then there was nice another rumor. That, one. Yeah, it's pretty harmless. Another rumor about how one of our music teachers' uh, partners had invented the Cadbury's parrot. This is such a Midlands thing. You won't know what I'm on about. There was an advert in, in the 90s for, the Cad, for Cadbury's eggs where there was a character called the Cadbury's parrot. We were all obsessed with it. We were doing impressions of the Cadbury's parrot. It was called Mr. Cadbury's parrot. Look up the advert on YouTube. Anyway, we, we all thought that he's a Um, I, I, There should be better rumours, shouldn't there? No, I, I think there's another one, but good. I can't repeat it because it's really, it's probably libelous. Um, we yeah, could anonymise it. Sorry? We could always, you know, change a few of the details. No, no, it's not suitable no, no. for the <laughs> <family> audience. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, we spend seven years with each other. I find that that's a long time to spend with the same hundred kids, isn't it? So you would, yeah. things we would make up about each other, the things you'd learn about each other, it was incredible. <laughs> so you did mention about your new book. So shall we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Although I've, I've really enjoyed talking about uh, <laughs> something else for once. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about, about it. And I know that it's really popular with his, history teachers. History teachers that I know are so jealous that I've, I'm speaking to you today. Oh, that's really nice to hear, man. It's been one of the, one of the nicest things is, is all the message I've had from history teachers. So yeah, the book's called Empire Land, How Modern Britain Was Created by Imperialism. And it's all the ways in which our lives have been created by British Empire, one of the biggest things that we've ever done, but we, we tend to ignore it. I mean, some of the things are really obvious, like our language, our certain words, certain businesses, um, OBEs and so on. But some of them are more harder to get your head around, like racism. Our particular brand of racism, I think, goes back to empire. The reason we're a multicultural society, the reason I'm here is because of British empire. And I think we tend to forget that to such a degree that with the Windrush crisis, we can actually end up deporting people who came here as British citizens. Um, but also a lot of our wealth comes from empire. And it's just uh, an attempt to get my head around all those uh, very, uh, I guess, poisonous debates. Um, mm. But, you know, it's been very satisfying because when I was researching it, I really was desperate for an accessible book that introduced me to the subject in a balanced way. And I just couldn't find one. So it's amazing that people are saying that this is that book. And it's even more amazing that Teachers are using it to teach. It's, an, it's a kind of dream for a writer, isn't it? Oh, it, it is. It really is. And it's lovely to hear people say how much they've learned from reading it. And, it's, and 
um, some of my friends have said it's made them then go on and read other books around it. It's, it's sort of sparked this new interest. And oh. I think when you when you are in the classroom, you've been teaching for years, sometimes things can feel like a little bit tired and it sounds as if this is given a, a new lease of life to some people when they start thinking about this part of history. Well, that's amazing to hear. And, and that's the thing. I, with Empire Land, I'm not trying to give people my view of empire, which I want people to believe. There are certain things, certain facts that I think everyone needs to absorb. But I hope it gives people just an idea of some of the pitfalls to avoid when you talk about empire and some of the nuances. I hope people will go on to read books from the bibliography and develop their own opinions. My fantasy is that someone, a child reads it and then writes an essay disagreeing with lots of what I say, but in a nuanced way. You know, oh, that's, the problem with British empire is that the conversation is so binary you know you either you either think it's great or you think it's terrible and there's nothing in between so I'm so glad this is filling the gap hopefully for a lot of people and I think we should put that challenge out there so teachers <laughs> if you have students invite them to write an essay responding to the novel and you'd like to read it yeah I mean yes uh, obviously I, I can't read too many essays <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I love I love getting stuff on Twitter from kids. It's, it's an amazing thing. I mean, it's, I'm trying to make my. I'm generally quite a joyless person, but I'm trying to make myself enjoy every every part of this publishing experience. Because you know what, this doesn't happen. Um, Norm, my friend of mine, talks about how the publishing experience before your book is published is the quiet before the quiet. Quite often, yeah. books disappear. Um, yeah. But for it to be taken up and become a bestseller and for kids to be, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. And I'm, I'm enjoying every single second of it, including the racial abuse. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed doing this podcast with you. And I hope that you continue to have lots of joyous moments as your book continues to be a huge success. Thank you. We went off in such unexpected directions, uh, but I really enjoyed that chat. Thank you. <laughs>